0: Welcome to the Pacey Performance Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Head of Strength and Conditioning at the Orlando Magic, Bill Burgos. Thanks for tuning in to episode 152 of the Pacey Performance Podcast. So, delighted to welcome Bill Burgos, who is the Head of Strength and Conditioning at the Orlando Magic, and the first guest uh, on the podcast who is a current practitioner in the NBA. So, delighted to get Bill on for a good chat. So, Bill's background uh, coming from the military, so a really interesting chat around how his influences and experience in the military affects his current practice and his current uh, philosophy as an SNC coach. Also, dealing with the demands uh, of the NBA, uh, travel schedule uh, out, many many outside influences um, and uh, obviously getting these guys who are working incredibly hard um, in in season in matches uh, and fitting uh, fitting Bill's program in and around that and how we how he structures that with different groups of players whether they're playing sometimes playing or not playing at all I mean we
1: could go back and you know we could create all these programs, whatever it is, but we have to like motivate these guys in order to do so. In order for you to see the benefits of the program, the guys have to be motivated, they have to be engaged, and I think those 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 things, those traits that I've learned in the military carry over because that's the whole idea. We gotta push these guys, we gotta motivate these guys in order to see the true value of the program.
0: Just before we get going, I wanna say a massive thanks to Val Performance and Force Decks for sponsoring this episode today. So, Val Performance have recently announced uh, the launch of a new product, which is called Human Track, which also has its own Twitter account now, so you can definitely check that out, um, to accompany the groin bar and the ever-popular Nordboard to go with their stack of uh, testing equipment. So, have a little look on the website. uh, Have a look on ValPerformance.com, and uh, check out Human Track, which is basically a um, portable, affordable, in-the-field uh, version of ViCon. So, also sponsoring this episode is ForceX, like I mentioned. So, a massive thanks to them guys. And if you are in the market for uh, Force plates and the, the software that accompanies it, make sure you check out uh, episode 139 of the podcast, which is with Dr. Daniel Cohen, who is uh, one of the co-founders of ForceX. And not only talks about Force Decks, of course, but talks about jump monitoring uh, as a whole. So if you are in the market for that, make sure you check them guys out at Force Decks on Twitter. And ForceDex.com is their website. So thanks to them guys, but over to the podcast with Bill. Hope you enjoy, and as always, would really appreciate your feedback. Okay, thanks for tuning in to the Pacey Performance Podcast. So today I have the pleasure in speaking to bill burgos who's the head strength and conditioning coach at the orlando magic so welcome to the podcast bill hey hey how you doing thank you for having me that's yeah, a pleasure mate it's good to have you so people that don't know who you are do you just want to give us a little bit of a background on you and uh and what you're currently doing
1: uh i have an interesting background um so i came from the military i was in the army and air force I did about 13 years um I went overseas, of course, uh, OIF, OEF, which is Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation Enduring Freedom. So I spent my, a little bit of time over there. And uh, as I transitioned out of the military, I went to college, and then I uh, became a student athletic trainer. At that time, I was working for the, he was the president, former president of the National Athletic Training Association. I worked under him for quite some time, learned a lot, became a volunteer strength and conditioning coach while I was there as well. Um, started teaching at the university, First as a GA, then I became an adjunct after after I completed my first master's. And then from there, um, I ended up uh, getting a job in baseball, um, bilingual. So it was was quite easy for me to get into baseball, you you know, having the experience and the knowledge and then being bilingual helped with that. So I ended up um, working for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I was in with the minor league system for about two years, met a few people and, actually ended up meeting up Joe, Joe Rogowski, meeting with Joe Rogowski. Joe Rogowski is currently the director of science and research for the NBA Players Association. So I got the opportunity to work under him as an intern and then hired on as a full-time assistant um, when I initially started with the Magic. I was there for about almost three years and then from there I interviewed for several teams and Actually, I was interviewing for the Warriors, I interviewed for the Bobcats, now the Hornets, I interviewed for the Timberwolves, as well as the Knicks, but I also interviewed for 5th Special Forces Group, US Navy SEALs, Special Boat 22, and I applied to be the fitness director for Homeland Security. Ended up taking the job with the Knicks. (laughs) But then um, with the Knicks for a few years, (laughs) the opportunity was uh, opened up again in Orlando. So I came back to Orlando and this is my fifth season back. So it's I said it, it you know, those took years, but I said it within I guess thirty seconds. <laughs> but yeah, um I mean, I was, then, yeah. during my during my step going back and forth from the magic to um to in the Knicks, I was um going i was going to school for my second masters, which I completed in human movement out of AT Still University. And now I'm about to pursue uh, a PhD. And so um yeah. And so right now I'm currently the head strength and conditioning coach with the Orlando Magic. Busy guy. Very busy guy. Yeah. (laughs) Moved around. So what what area is the PhD? So right now it's basically research and publication. So I have um, several things that I'm kind of like working on with, uh, his name is Dr. Charlie Pedler and he's from uh, St. Mary's University. He's a, a professor from there. So he's we're working on him being my advisor. So we're trying to really narrow down the uh, the questions that we want to answer um, within the NBA setting. And so uh, I'm pretty excited about it because there's a lot of things that I was interested in um, knowing in terms of, you know, how can I make the guys better? Like, is it this? Is this working, that working? And now with um, with an advisor next to me, as well as pursuing my PhD, we could try to answer those questions to make the league better and help, you know, and make the players better. Um, um, better as well in terms of their health.
0: So, what made you pursue the elite sport route instead of the the military stuff? You know, it's a good
1: question. So, initially, I joined the milita- military to take care of my family, and then, um, but during my time there, like just like anything, I try to be the best of what I can be, and and so um, I was really trying to move up the ranks, and and but I always had this this thing inside me where I wanted to work in sports, and so when I started deploying. I was being separated separated from my family for, for long periods of time. Um, don't get me wrong, you know, sports, you're away from your family, but there's something different about the military going into a combat zone versus going to an arena. Mm-hmm. So, so I, I started noticing myself being a part. So I, I decided to pursue my, my dream. And um, so when I got involved, I started off with athletic training because um, I was a medic in the Air Force for quite some time and an EMT. And so when I got into the medical side of sports, um, it, it, I, I, it, it just didn't, I don't want to say it did not interest me. I just didn't feel like, um, it just didn't feel like me. I was like, I'm an energetic guy. I, wanted, I really I love the weights. I love training. I love motivating. Um, I love performance. And so I started getting more involved into that. And, and then that's, that's kind of what drove me into elite performance.
0: So with that with that energy and that drive and love for training do they and this isn't this isn't um a loaded question but do the do the guys that you've worked with over the last what eight years with in, in basketball do they do they share your enthusiasm has it been a, a good experience in, to, to work with these guys yeah it's been a great experience I
1: think uh, I guess my background because you know they're interested in you know um you know because I've done a lot before I came into the NBA and and um, they're, they're interested about my story. And, and I think those things help out. Um, so uh, it does help out a lot. Um, i have I've, I've, I've be able to create good relationships with players. Um, they're now with other teams and we still talk to this day. And I think uh, the military really s- kind of like mold me to who I am today in terms of discipline, um, organization, things like that, and uh, which helps me um, uh, motivate the guys with things that I've learned in the military. And so, you know, the mil- you know, strength conditioning is a lot of a lot of it, a lot of it is, it's all about discipline. I mean, we could go back and, you know, we could create all these programs, whatever it is, but we have to like motivate these guys in order to do so. In order for you to see the benefits of the program, the guys have to be motivated, they have to be engaged. And I think those 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 things, those traits that I've learned in the military carry over because that's the whole idea we got to push these guys we got to motivate these guys in order to see the true value of the program
0: mm-hmm. and for someone that's been involved in the military for so long um, pre in the pre the mba i guess that that instantly commands a lot of respect from the guys yeah i, I you know I, I sometimes i don't like i don't think of it like i yeah,
1: guess because I, I, I guess because i was the one that was in the military but you know <laughs> i could see their the way they interact with me, they're interested. They, some of them think it's cool. And they, uh, you know, they always, there's people who always say, thank you for your service. And, and for me, it's like, um, I, you know, it was a great experience and I love the fact that I was able to, to you know, do something for my country. And, but I think that uh, it helps me a lot when it comes to, um, you know, interacting with the players. Cause it's, it's just something to share with them. That's different than any other, uh, I guess, Coach, you know, some of them. It, everyone has their own story, but for me, it's just it's, it, it makes me who I am.
0: Mm-hmm. of course. Of course. So, in your in your current role, um, I suppose across both New York and Orlando, what's what's the role of the the S coach in the NBA, and in particular, the two uh, franchises that you've been involved with, and maybe what would be quite cool is how that's uh, how that's changed over the last five, six, seven, eight years that you've been involved.
1: That's a great question because uh, when I first started, you know, there wasn't a sports scientist. So um, it was always an athletic trainer, strength and conditioning coach. I mean, at that time, physical therapists just started like really um, becoming more, I don't want to say popular, but more necessary, more needed. And so um, it wasn't until like, I guess, the past few years where – Actually, when I started taking notice of it, when I was with the match—I mean, I'm sorry—when I started going to the Knicks, when I met with Dave Hancock, Andy Barr, I started seeing more sports science integrated at that point, and then from there, it just like took off. We were using catapult and things like that. So, um, the strength conditioning component—you uh, know—our role is to constantly uh, motivate. I feel like we have one of the biggest challenges because is we we're, we're like in a crossroads in between. The medical side in terms of with athletic training, but then we're also with the coaches, making sure they get prepared. So we're like we're, we're right there in the middle. And uh, so I feel like we have an important role, just like all the other staff members. And I think that, you know, we have to like make sure that we don't um, uh, work on parts that are um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, but uh, that's um, impeding them in any way. But at the same time, we got to make sure they reach their max level or at least to the point where they're, um, I want to say low, but where their their um, their training meets, meet, meets the competitive level. So we play a big part of that. I mean, I'm with the guys every day, whether it's eating, whether it's sleeping, whether it's, you know, I was just right before this, I was just in a training session with one of my rookies and then I was with someone else in the morning. So we're constantly with the guys. They see my face more than anything. And so, uh, so our role is like very high when it comes to interaction with the player, and when it comes to performance. Based, it's not you know, it's not about just sitting around. So now, like uh, with uh, sports science um, being heavily influenced in the NBA, I, you know, I think some people tend to forget that um, strength and conditioning coaches have that same, um, um, I guess, background per se. Um, The reason why I say that is because when I went to Australia, you know, you had your sports scientists, you had your high performance managers, so on and so forth. Uh, I don't know too much about the academic levels over there, but I know the academia levels over there. But what I know is here in the U.S., uh, all the strength coaches have some form of exercise science or exercise physiology background. Um, We're all certified strength and conditioning coaches. Uh, When I came in, there was no such thing as a, a sports scientist profession. I mean, well, a job within the NBA. So, um, so now there is. So, the point I'm trying to get at, I think sometimes um, people tend to forget that strength coaches um, know about the science as well. There's some good strength coaches that know it very well. And matter of fact, a lot of these strength coaches they cross over to become sports scientists. And, and you probably have spoken to some um, throughout your podcast. And so, um, and I just want to make sure that like. A lot of other um, people that do the hiring, management, things of that nature understand that because there, there is there is some um, crossover when it comes to that um, sports sciences and it's like it's very like uh, it's a, it's a thin line if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, no, yeah sports,
1: I think the biggest thing is the strength coaches. There's more coaching involved. Um, so um, so do you
0: think with the do, yeah do do you think with the the kind of influx of um, sports scientists and the kind of new role that's been made for this um, this kind of skill set in the NBA. How how has that impacted on the the kind of true strength coaches that have been there and done it in the NBA? Is that do, do them? Do you think them guys not feel threatened, but feel like they've kind of been doing it already, and they've just been under the title of a strength coach, but they've actually touched on that? area as well or do you think it's kind of for the guys that have been there and done it it's like a really valued um addition to the kind of performance team
1: i don't think uh, personally i don't think anybody feels threatened i feel like uh i think it's an opportunity to learn more and grow uh and plus i think they can also take off some of the load because um you know with the staff being so small you know in the past it makes it a challenge for a strength coach to do everything or an athletic trainer. And I think adding them um, helps with that. Kind of off someone to do the algorithm, I mean, not algorithm, but, well, yeah, create an algorithm, whatever the case may be, look at some of the loads, look at the numbers, whereas someone else could be coaching, training. Uh, and I think it just makes it easier. It's kind of like a uh, uh, a coach now has a video guy. So, uh, you know, the coach is not gonna be able to do all the videos and like coach at the same time. So the video guy kind of offloads it. And I think uh, this is something like where a sports scientist helps along that nature where they, they could take some of those duties away from a strength coach where um, yeah. it just makes it easier, more focused for training um, rather than – and a more quality time with life in general. So because there's, there's well. so much data out there, it's like you got to like, you know, really – I don't want to say share the wealth, but share some of the workload where it can make mm-hmm. it easier for the person to do their thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes so, sense. No, no, absolutely, hundred percent. So, uh, as an SNC coach, who's obviously um, very much enthusiastic for actually spending time on the gym floor and the court with the guys, how, how have you? How's your philosophy developed in in, in working with with these kind of highly skilled um, guys that have got in, in a huge portion of the year a, a, a huge workload? That's a great question because
1: like when I first came into the league, I was like, oh, you know, I was trying to I had this like periodized program and I was like, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it that way. And, um, and, we, I, and it didn't work out the way I thought it was going to work out because it, it's just uh, the schedule is such a challenge. Um, players are different at this level. Um, just dealing with, uh, you know, athletes that have a, you know, one, they have a high workload. Two, they have a, like a high demand outside of the game. And so you got to be able to manage your program to, to so it could be effective. In other words, you, know, you got you to you you be able to take in the outside influences as well as the the game influences, and, and be able to manage those two to create a program that could complement both without, I guess, um, um, causing more stress. If that makes sense. And so throughout so throughout my my time in the NBA. Um, you know, I do a lot of reading. So I'm always adding new things, taking away new things and taking away old things and and um, being able to, uh, uh, I guess, keep up with the times, per se. Like uh, I have my oh, I have my foundation, like my own thing is about pure strength. So throughout the year, like I have like uh, certain zones, certain phases throughout the year where a guy has to be be doing something in terms of strength within this time frame, um, power within this time frame. Now, some of the, uh, the methods may change, but like the whole overall like theme of the program doesn't change, if that makes any sense. And so like, uh, you know, whether it's cleans, whether it's, you know, some certain types of sprints, those things will change based off the literature that I'm reading, as well as based off the type of athlete that I'm receiving. And where they're at in their training history, but the overall theme throughout the year normally doesn't change because the schedule. Um, you know, my 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 job is to make sure they perform um, to a certain level during some part of the season because season is always going to start around October. Season is always going to end around April. I know you got that. You know, we we got the playoffs. That that will never change. So um so so my whole my whole phases of training, my themes during that time never change. It's just the methods. And I, you know, like I said, someone just asking that question not too long ago about my philosophy. And and it's kind of hard because, like, at first I was, you know, am I just a freeways guy? Am I this guy? But then the thing is, I, I, I get all types of guys, players coming in. And some of them have been, you know, in the game for 10, 12 years. I had guys who've been in the league 20 years. And here I am, you know, all right, yeah, yeah, you're an all-star, but this is how you got to do it. You know, yeah. so... In reality, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, I learned learn from these guys, too, because they've been doing it for some time. They've been exposed to a lot of type of training habits, which make, kept them to being successful.
0: And it actually helped build a relationship between that person and I. So when it comes to um, you mentioned the foundations and the obviously the kind of term for that been, been the basics. What do you consider for the, the foundations and the basics for, for these guys in the NBA? So, all right. So after, I'm going to, I'm going to start with the season
1: ends. So once the season ends, okay, we're looking at, you know, moving and mobility, you know, first, you know, let the body rest. It takes, you know, time for the, you know, muscle g- regeneration and things like that to, to set in place. And, you know, once we feel comfortable that, you know, that the, the body is like, let's say three, four weeks, we start focusing on moving and mobility. The whole idea is to, to start forming some type of structural change in order to build symmetry and after a while, then we start focusing on loading the body, so we start introducing the body to load um, in a progressive manner, and then, um, you know, whether it's certain kettlebell movements, whether it's uh, we're not we're not even touching a bar or anything at that point. So this is like weeks. Then after that, we start, you know, you know, there is a little bit of high volume hypertrophy phase. Just depends on the guy in terms of like what the goal is but you know we want, we do want to increase the cross sectional area in order to build help build strength and then we start focusing on strength for a while then after that we go into our um, there's a transition from strength to power and from power we start focusing on to more core uh, specific activities um, but yeah that's and then that's and then throughout the in season I, I have like a, um great, like two two to three different types of training um programs you know of course you have your one your high minute guys the guys who play a lot of minutes they go through a certain um, strength program that focuses on the residual training effect so we hit certain things that we um we did in the summer so that way we kind of maintain it throughout the year you know of course with some recovery methods employed then another one where you know you have your guys that don't play a lot so they have more of a competitive program where you know we incorporate the uh the developmental coach, so that way you know they got their skills going on, and and we're still maintaining their 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 strength program. So there's you know there's different phases through there, and then the last one, of course, is you you got you guys that don't play at all, <laughs> and so you have your guys that don't play at all. So they're an entirely different program, and those I try to attack the body a little bit more, so that way if they do get called upon, they're able to withstand the uh, you know playing forty eight minutes.
0: So when you say competitive environment for that kind of middle stage guy mm-hmm. how how are you how are you going about creating that that competition within them sessions with them them guys so um so in the past
1: you know we 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 did some um you know we had the catapult data, so I kind of have an idea of some of the loads mm-hmm. so from from there some of the uh the drills that I've had in the past that we use with the load I'm with the uh, catapult data so I kind of know like what's this load, what's that load compared to the um, games type situations. And so we have our high load measures. So one day we'll probably do like a a high volume day. Let's say it's 700 load, depending on what the load permitted is. And we'll work with the coach on that in terms of trying to meet the, the uh, heart rate levels with the competitive information. So that way he's, his heart rate is comparable to what it is in a game type situation. Now, the one thing I am trying to improve on is the amount of force that's being impacted within a game and how that's compared into the into in the weight room. So, in other words, if he's producing about 2,000 pounds of force, let's say on the court, how much, you know, how much volume of um, of, of force am I applying in the weight room? Is it enough to meet that demand? Am I undertraining based off that the amount of force is being applied? So, I'm trying to improve in that area so that those that could that could match what's happening in a game type situation, so that's what I'm currently working on right yeah. now yeah. Uh, to improve in that aspect. But you know, I try to like uh, uh, for that middle guy. Well, let's say uh, uh, we did a high volume day, and you know, on the 30th day, it, it just depends where where we ended up. So let's say it's second day, you know, second week of the month. It's been the 30th day. Where he did his last high volume day, so we'll do a high volume day, things like that. In terms of meeting the residual training effect, because I don't want to lose what he gained during the, during the off season, and so I try to like, um, you know, hit key th- key areas throughout the uh, throughout the training cycle during the season.
0: So as always, you can take a very quick break in the chat with Bill. So in part two, um, we have uh, lots more on top-ups for guys that don't actually play or only play a minimum amount of time. Um, we discuss how Bill creates a competitive environment in the gym when he's got his guys um, training. But just before we get into part two, just want to say a massive thanks to Coach Me Plus for sponsoring this episode today. So massive thanks to Kevin and all the guys behind the scenes at Coach Me Plus, who are doing an amazing job in the athlete management system space. So a very crowded market. Um, but Coach Me Plus uh, doing extremely well, especially on the other side of the Atlantic in the US. So if you are looking at a solution for managing the amount of data that you are capturing, whether it be GPS, uh, strength and conditioning, um, uh, gym-based data, whether it be gym aware or anything like that, definitely check out the guys at CoachMePlus uh, and I'm sure they'll take you through the system, um, which I have also been taken through, which um, which is which are extremely positive from, from my angle. So yeah, make sure you check them out at CoachMePlus.com. So part two, coming up with Bill. Again, would love to know what you think. Uh, and I hope you enjoy the second part of the episode. So I guess I mean for for anyone kind of working in elite sport, it's them, it's them. How you've described it, um, the group two that's the real tough one that need yes. to be ready, but also need to be topped up enough so they are ready. So it's that kind of fine balance, um, which obviously is, um, I suppose, the art of it. Really, is, is getting that balance correct, mm-hmm. so you're not caught short having done a too heavy a session and they get called up, you know, last minute. So I guess, I guess that's the hard bit, isn't it? Yeah,
1: that is the challenge because it's like, I don't know how many minutes he's going to play. And so, but what I do know is the amount of load within a 20 minute period. So we kind of like, um, I don't want to say guess, but I kind of give, I have a good guess of what the workload would be like in a 20 minute period. We just, because when I was in New York, we were able to kind of come up with some numbers and so, so from there, based off those numbers, like for example, let's say he played ten minutes and that was a two hundred load. But like I have to be, I have to have him ready at a, um, you know, for thirty minutes. Let's just say, and thirty minutes is a five hundred load. So if he did two hundred load, then I know that there's three hundred left. So what am I going to do with that three hundred load? And then I also keep the overload principle in mind. So if it's a three hundred load, then I might just do four hundred load based off. What we did, you know, if we did whatever we did the day prior, or what's happening next, it's just it it all. It's just weird because the schedule is like it really kind of dictates the program with those middle guys. So like if uh, if it's a back to back and he played two hundred, I'm not gonna do nothing the next day because I want to keep him fresh for the next day. Because remember, there's other stressors. You got sleep, travel, things like that. But what will happen is I will keep note so that either on our next off day or the following day after that back-to-back, we would, we would, we would try to get it in and and uh, kind of like fill that gap in in terms of um, that, that, the last game that we played. But it all depends. If we're on the road, if we're at home. But at home, it's way much easier. So at home, I kind of do a little bit more training. On the road, I try to focus more on recovery methods because we're just traveling so much.
0: Gosh. And and I've I've spoken to a couple of people about this, and the um, the, the external demands for these guys, media, um, obviously the, the the lifestyle of these guys is, and any kind of highly um, elite guys really, it's that that pressure outside the the uh, off the court or out of the gym that does also take its toll, which I guess is is very hard to, to manage
1: so you're saying that the outside influences besides
0: yeah the outside influence of these yeah, guys yeah, yeah. are going to be huge because they're you know the the stars aren't they it's, it's, i suppose that's that's one thing that's that's completely out of almost out, completely out of your control Yeah, it's, it's beyond my control the big the
1: biggest thing we could do is educate and just let them know the significance of recovery and you know to take rest when you're not playing um yeah that's the most that's the challenging so that's most challenging so um of course you know we we do a wellness and where you know we talk about sleep and soreness i used to ask a lot of questions but i felt like they were being overwhelmed with the questions that were being asked they were simple questions but it was just so many of them so now i just do two questions you know soreness as well as um sleep quality and um so you know we try to focus on those you know the response to those questions as well as just i mean they can say oh i feel great but then you know sometimes just by looking at them and how they talk to you could kind of tell a lot too as well so i try to do as much as i can with <laughs> with in my control um so that way when they do go out and do these things um it's not that harmful so um i was just talking to uh, to one of my players now for example i say hey listen you're about to fly to LA to, you know, to work out, you know, before you go out, make sure you stay hydrated, drink a whole, you know, drink some water before you get on the plane. So that way you're not behind the eight ball by the time you get to LA to play pickup and things like that. So, you know, you just, it's that, it's that communication with the guy that really falls away. And of course, I'm going to text him. We have a guy go with him as well to help him out if need be. But I mean, the outside thing is, it's, I, I, I don't think I'm the only one. <laughs> I think, Everybody's having the same, uh, I don't want to say it's a problem, but it's the same issue. And, yeah. um, and and it just boils back down to educating. And usually what happens, some of these guys, they start feeling it. And uh, and then they realize, hey, listen, you know, Bill was right. You know, I should have done this. You know, and sometimes they have to hit that wall, but I don't want them to hit that wall, so I'm constantly on them.
0: Mm-hmm. So in this, uh, I guess we're in the, kind of in the in the period now with with the off season. What what is given to these guys and and what's not given to these guys in this kind of period of time?
1: What exactly would you mean? What is given to
0: them? So so as in like um, directives of um like two weeks off straight ah, after the season, yeah, yeah. and then kind of building up to a, a period where they're actually going to be ready for preseason and all that kind of that kind of information yeah, is yeah. is that is that kind of comprehensive? Do you leave it a lot up to them, the, the, you know, their kind of intuition? Is that different for each player, that kind of thing? Well, it's a great question because
1: I, at the end of the season, I give them a program for the summer. And it's, um, I give them like a, uh, to be honest with you, I give them a, it's, a, it's very um, general in terms of the program. But like, as I was saying, the theme is the same, but it's individualized um, because I'm not there most of the time. So um, I don't want to make things too complicated safety first because if it's too complicated and I'm not there to coach them then you know that could be an issue. So I try to keep it as simple as possible and for them to understand when, when, when the pro, the way the pro gets is uh, more complex later in the stage in terms of the off season but at that point they're with me. Um, so um, they do get directives right at the end of the season so during the exit interviews which is the day after when the season ends. Uh, each, I, meet, I meet with each player. I give them a book. I give them an app. The workouts are on the app. Usually I use uh, either Elite Form or Visual Coaching because, um, you know, it's, the guys go with their phones everywhere. It has videos. It has the whole program on there. And so in the book, is a general program. However, you know, if there's things that uh, in the app, there's things they cannot do or... They just don't have that piece of equipment. They usually text me, let me know, and then I'll just update my computer, refresh it, and then it's it's changed right there within seconds on their iPhone. And so I use that a lot with the guys. But the whole theme about rest, recovery, and, you know, I visit guys too during the summer to, to speak if they're working with somebody and I'll kind of give them a general idea of my expectations, what, you know, what they need to accomplish by the time they get back. And, um, and you know, guys are pretty good with that. They text me throughout the summer. I'm constantly texting them and calling them and visiting. So uh, they, they, they always hear me. I give them, that, I give them their space because they're with me for, for a long time. But I, I, I'm also around enough to ensure that they're doing the right things at the right time.
0: Mm-hmm. And another thing that... <laughs> and no, no, that's all good. That's all good. So in, in the in-season period when, like you say, kind of everyone's on top of each other a lot, a lot of the time, how do you keep things, I suppose I'm pretty thinking about more group one for the guys that are getting a lot of court time, but are still, obviously you're still trying to meet the outcomes that you've got for these guys, even though they're, they're playing. How are you keeping it, how are you keeping your time with them and how, keeping them, the the stuff fresh that you're doing Mm -hmm. so it's not kind of monotonous and and they're kind of still engaged even though they're probably getting a little bit beaten up with the amount of games they're playing
1: that's a good question so um what i do with my assistant so um i'm constantly taking notes on you know when they did their last lift things like that you know how many minutes they played and nutrition is a big thing, so I'm constantly on them about recovery post-game, making sure they, because so, so we have, a, I, I bring blenders on the road, so we make um, smoothies for them post-game, and then I'm, I'm trying to make sure, not trying, I make sure that they are um, eating um, properly um, before competition as well. So, um, you know, we have, I'm, I'm in charge, of, well, I'm in charge of the food as well. So we have pregame snacks. We have, uh, I bring snacks with me on the road, wherever I go. I do the post-game smoothies. I did the food on the plane, food at the hotel. So they're constantly being fed to make sure they have enough energy to meet competition. That's that's number one. I wanna make sure they have enough energy for um, whatever activity they're trying to accomplish. And for us, it's the game. So that's the biggest thing. I think if I fail in that aspect, then it's gonna make everything else harder. Meaning like they won't recover properly. They, uh, their strength levels may go down. They may not sleep properly. They may, they're going to perform poorly, and it's just going to accumulate after a while. So my, my first thing is make sure they have the nutrition, not just have it, but have it at the right time and the right stuff. And then, um, and then after that, we make sure that we're employing our regeneration and recovery um, programs in, at the right time and, and making sure that they're highly engaged into it rather than just sitting on a foam roller. So actually, you know, employing the methods that have been taught to them. And then um, then after that, you know, those are my two main things during the season. You know, of course, monitoring the minutes and so forth. And then at the same time, we're looking at, you know, when was the last time I did the strength program? And I'm constantly, you know, I'm working with my my assistant. You know, we're constantly talking back and forth. Hey, this guy, you know, this is the last thing he did last time. We got to make sure we hit him this time. It's more during the season It's more the guys that play a lot of minutes and the guys that um Play mediocre minutes. They're like more on a floating, periodized program. So within within a ten day cycle, I try to hit three or four things within within that ten day cycle. And then the other guys that play no minutes, they're more on a you know more on a periodized program, which is easier for them because I know they're gonna play. It. I I know they're not playing. I know they're gonna do this at this day. I know it. I know it. I know it. Whereas the other two groups, I don't. I I I, I kind of know. Like I know what to do. Because it's always the same thing. I know these guys will play 10, This guys will play 20, but some things change here and there. So I kind of react to what I'm seeing. But within that 10-day period, I try to make sure that I focus on those three or four things, whether it's a strength, a power, some type of core, and some type of um, rehab, prehab exercise.
0: And with the, with the such short turnarounds and the amount of traveling you guys are doing, I guess it's got to be like the essentials and only the essentials for these guys so it's got to be really honed in and and uh i guess focused because of the like i said the limited time and the and the amount of travel the especially the this the, the starting guys and the guys who are racking up the minutes mm-hmm. are being put through so it's got to be really really focused
1: yes for the uh for the first two groups yes the t- second group may a little different because it just depends on um how one, how a guy's performing um, depends on you know who's in front of them if he's playing well things like that whereas the first group is basics essentials and the idea is is like you know hopefully you know they 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 improved um, this summer in terms of their strength levels because some guys you know they're on like I have a guy that's playing for the French national team I have another guy playing with the uh, his national team in Montenegro. So um, the idea is hopefully they come back. They don't lose a lot of strength or anything like that because they'll be playing a lot. So I gotta like figure out ways to to get them back. And then um, yeah, it's just the essentials, the basics. Um, looking at their core strength, um, hip mobility, things like that to keep them alive. Um, every now and then that goes, they go they they get a little bit of the residual effect training where I gotta touch base on some things, a little bit more strength based than anything. But those guys, to be honest with you, with those guys I kind of work opposite since it's since it's a power sport and they do a lot of a power power activity. I do a lot more strength with them Gosh. during the Gosh. season, and um, so I, I with those guys we do we focus the essentials, focus on the basics, and we focus on strength. Whereas the middle guys, we focus on the basics, focus on the essentials, focus on strength, maybe power depending on. Um, what's going on and then whereas the other group is you know if because those guys are surprised they're still developing either developing or there's something they need to improve on whether it's lose body weight whatever the case may be and so those guys are treated a little bit differently
0: nice do you ever get out to france or get over to this this side of the world with the guys that are playing in europe
1: yeah i was in paris this summer i was there with uh one of the players for about 10 days And then so he was uh, when I was with him, I gave him he was in more of a modified program. Uh, So all my guys that play for like their national teams, they're like in a modified program. The reason why I say that the idea is, is for them to be in top shape for the national team, because I feel I feel I I believe other people should feel the same way. I believe they do. But uh, they should be in top shape for the national team because I feel like the more in shape they are less of a chance of them getting injured.
0: <laughs> oh, absolutely.
1: Thank so when know. they come back, their injury, I'm knocking on wood right now. So they come back, they're injury free and then we could just, you know, basically we'll do it like a mini version when they, um, kind of like what I do in the off season. As soon as the over they do movement mobility and we focus on hypertrophy and then we go into, I mean, movement mobility then we load them uh, with a progressive manner and then from there we go into our hypertrophy, strength, blah, blah, blah. Whereas, I take them to like a mini version when they come back because st- they got to recover from their, uh, you know, their Euro League, and then you know they got to prepare for their NBA season. But yeah, so I was I was over there. I was in LA this summer. I was uh, where else did I go? My my assistant went to Montenegro, um, New Orleans. Going back to LA, and and I had a few got a few of the guys that were just here in Orlando, which helped out a little bit, you know, in terms of traveling.
0: cost cost. Well, I know you're. I know you're a busy guy, and it's um, it's Friday afternoon, so I'm just going to. Uh, I'm going to. I'm going to let you go. Um, but where where can people keep uh, up to date with what you've got going on, or maybe get in touch if you have got any questions? You know, they can. You know, connect with me on LinkedIn. So just type in my
1: name, LinkedIn, Bill Burgos, and um, you know, I respond. You know, the questions people may have. Um, um, the other thing is, I, I have an Instagram account. Is uh, just what bill burgos does in a daily daily life but you know i have my sports science i have my you know some of the things i do uh, with some of the guys and um and I'm, I'm beginning to use instagram so my kids always told me to use instagram so now i'm using it <laughs> and uh, nice. and, I, and i'm beginning to like it but uh yeah th- those are ways to c- connect with me or you could just email me at bburgos at orlando and uh, we could um you know talk shop and go from there so uh, listen I, I really appreciate you having me on here this is this is awesome um you know i'm uh my mind um i guess runs a, a thousand miles a minute uh, <laughs> i have a lot of things you know always going on in terms of you know my program design i'm reading i'm always trying to figure out how can i make myself better in yeah. order to help improve the players because if i make myself be- better i feel like the players health will get better and um and i'm continuously trying to figure that out and i don't know everything and I don't expect anyone else to know everything. So I'm constantly learning from others, reading books, whether it's leadership books, things of that nature. Because I, I want to be, you know, one of the best strength coaches in this industry. And, and there's some great ones out there. And I would like to be one of those guys. And, um, but yeah, appreciate you having me.
0: Nice. No, it's, it's, it was great to have you on. I really appreciate you giving up, uh, giving up an hour of your time to come on and have a chat. So I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. Thank you. No, that's good mate cool we'll, um, we'll keep in touch and um, and uh, we'll speak soon thank you very much thanks Bill thanks for tuning in to episode 152 of the Pacey Performance Podcast hope you enjoyed the chat with Bill last but not least massive thanks to Uval Performance Coach Me Plus, and Force Dex for sponsoring this episode today and thank you very much to Bill for giving up his time and being the first practitioner in the NBA to, uh, to come on the podcast for a chat. So really appreciate his time and effort to, uh, to pop on. So got some good guests coming up over the next couple of weeks. Make sure you hit subscribe on your chosen podcast app um, and you will get all each and every uh, Pacey Performance podcast on your phone every week as it goes live. So again, thanks for tuning in, thanks for your support, and I'll speak to you soon.